Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. All right, Friday edition of the show. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mac. My name is Dan McLaughlin. We'll take you up into uh, the 11 o'clock hour, Alex Ferrario and BK. Interesting, right off the top. Well, let me tell you who is um, coming up. Scott Highmark, the Billiken Hall of Famer. Talk a little slew basketball. Also, uh, we're going to talk with Brian Barnhart, and he is the voice of the fighting Illini. So Eli Drinkwitz, this guy makes it fun because you can have fun on Twitter and you can have the little hokey sayings when you go on Paul Feinbaum and and you can be different in the media, but you better win. Well, he's already starting to win, so he's got street cred in that regard. But uh, about an hour ago, he tweeted out this. Who else likes Christmas presents? Hashtag Merry Flipness with an F, Flipness, meaning he's flipping some recruits and... It looks like East St. Louis four-star receiver Dominic Lovett uh, is going. He's the number 34 receiver in the entire class, maybe flipping his verbal commitment from the Arizona State Sun Devils. That was in September and maybe to Mizzou. That's the speculation. There's also another kid that is committed to Oklahoma that potentially could be flipping to Mizzou as well. That has uh, been some of the scuttlebutt out there. But uh, Mary Flipness. I love it. From Eli Drinkowitz, they have got uh, Georgia this weekend. Georgia 13-point favorite. Dennis Dodd was, uh, and he's a great college uh, football writer of CBS. He was a member of the CBS sports team for a number of years and still doing things online, a ton of stuff online. He was a part of Carriker and Smallman, and they asked him earlier this week, is Eli right now the SEC Coach of the Year? I think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now, considering what they were dealt with. Um, you know, playing LSU and Alabama in that reconfigured SEC schedule two out of the first three weeks, beating LSU, now winning five games full with a coach that had been, you know, a head coach for one season in the Sun Belt, well accomplished and, you know, deserving of the job. But to now go to a bowl, it looks like, in the SEC in his first year, has to say something. It is big. Um, there are some that believe that maybe Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M, why not Dan Mullen of Florida, could see that. Um, the reason I think I go Eli is that he's got two games left. He's got Georgia, Mississippi State. I think he wins one of the two. It's going to be tough this weekend. But if he wins this weekend, slam dunk, he gets it. But, man, has he changed uh, immediately just what people are thinking about the Mizzou program. And the other reason I would give it to him is that he's doing it in a pandemic in his first year. So he didn't know these kids. These kids had to buy into him. Some kids didn't want to stay with the program. No problem. He let him go. They could go anywhere they wanted. The kids have bought in. They're loving them. Um, And Jimbo and Dan Mullen, you know, they had their kids. They had their program in place. And so you arrived on the scene, spring football canceled, nothing in the summer except workouts, and then trying to figure out how you're going to get through an SEC season. To me, Eli is the guy. You got to think outside the box with that, but these are outside the box type years, months, He's done a hell of a job, man. Really good job. And he's recruiting. He's getting guys to go to Mizzou. I think the next question is, can Mizzou lock him up? What if Gus Malzahn gets fired at Auburn? I think Auburn would like to say, hey, Eli, what's your um, yeah, what's your thoughts here? Yeah. I would. I, I think they would, too. I mean, you have to look at what he's doing recruiting. 
I think he gets a lot of uh, consideration across the country. Michigan. Michigan may try to make a run at him if they fire or they move on from Harbaugh. What if Dan Mullen goes to Texas? Go down to Florida. So if you're Mizzou right now, he's in. Now, it's early. I, I get it. I get it. But he's got a six-year deal. This is the first year, and he's doing it in a pandemic. Tell you what, man, stats don't lie. He's got some wins. He's got kids coming in. He's fun. He's re-energized the fan base to an extent. Got to look at it. That's that sport. If you want to play in the SEC, that's what you got to do. You got to pay. You got to pay big money. Sometimes if it doesn't work out, you got to pay the buyout. I don't necessarily like it. I don't think it's good for college sports as we're seeing that with the pandemic and sports programs getting cut. But if you want to play with the big boys, that's what you have to do. So Eli Drinkwitz, he says, who else likes Christmas presents? Hashtag Mary Flipness. And my man here, Tanner, just started kind of laughing and shaking your head. Why Why are you shaking your head? That's fun. Come yeah, on. I'm just thinking how upset I am as an Illini fan. How <laughs> yeah, that's what Smith I thought. Do it. That's what I thought. I love this. Alabama coach Nate Oates seemed to question Coach K's motives after Duke, and they lost. He uh, Coach K called for a reassessment about playing college basketball during a pandemic. Okay, I, that's fine. Openly wondering whether the comments were triggered by a pair of losses for the number 10 Blue Devils. Ah, that's the key. Quote, do you think if Coach K hadn't lost his two non-conference games at home that he would still be saying that? We 100% should be playing basketball. That's what he said. End quote. You make a case whether or not you should. I've always felt that they, if they were going to play basketball, which one way or another, if you're getting through a football season, you're going to have basketball, even though it's indoors. Um, why not start in, let's say, February? was my idea. February seemed to be the right idea. You know, pandemic, hopefully numbers start to decline across the country. You're rolling out a vaccine. And why not have May Madness? Hey, you're a student athlete. Let's call it like you're a student athlete. Okay? You're not paid, so you are a student athlete. So exams are done by that time, Tanner. You don't have to worry about those exams. And you get to have May Madness. And, oh, by the way, everybody still makes their money. That's the key. That's the key. So why not just push it back? I, You know, they're, they're pushing. Now that you've started, you can't just stop and put a Band-Aid on it. I think you got to continue. Now, maybe some of these bigger teams like Duke and some of the others may say we're done with non-conference. We'll wait till conference play happens. Fine, that's their prerogative. But, boy, it just comes off whiny. Didn't look good. No, you lost. Deal with it move on. Dave Dombrowski, uh, Dombrowski is finalizing a deal to take over as president of baseball operations of the Phillies. This guy is really good, especially if you give him payroll, which is the case for a lot of people in that position. Give him payroll. Uh, they can pick up a lot of good players. Money equals good players. So it ends their search for a top executive with one of the most accomplished of his generation. So the biggest question, though, I had yesterday for Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News, will we see any movement coming up in Major League Baseball? I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that there's ever going to be a time with this offseason where there's rapid fire, big signings or big deals. I think it's going to be spread out. Um, you know, it's, it's different this year, obviously, with the, the winter meetings being virtual um, because so much of the winter meetings, the deals that happened, you know, Mosaic talked about this um, in his in his press conference, Zoom press conference. And, you know, writers have talked about this ad nauseum over the past week. I'm um, talking about missing the, the winter meetings because a lot of those deals happen in 
in conversation that start up because you see someone in the lobby. Right. Or you get in a, a hotel elevator on the way up to the suite and it starts a conversation. And that obviously doesn't happen um, with Zoom meetings. Those chance random things, um, conversations don't get started. So I think you're, you're missing a little bit of that. And people talk about deals that happen at the winter meetings. And there are deals that are finished at the winter meetings. But so many of the deals that happen in the weeks after that our results of conversations that started at the winter meetings. And so you're missing some of that. So I'm just not sure that there's ever going to be a time where you see three big signings in a day or two trades in, in, in back-to-back days. So, you know, I think it's going to be spread out. We've seen spread out off seasons. I remember when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, he did it after spring training had started. Right. So, you know, I think it's going to be more situations like that, especially as we're waiting to find out whether there's going to be a DH in the NL. Okay, that's the reality. I don't like it because I'm a baseball fan. I love the game. Sleep, eat, breathe baseball. And the hot stove, Tanner. It's fantastic. It's the best. You know, that's where you can improve your club. It's just kind of boring this year. Well, there have been some circumstances that led to that now. That's true. So we we got to, you know, lay it out factually. A pandemic did hit. Fans were not in the stands, and we don't know what 2021 looks like with fans in the stands. So they're still trying to make uh, make out what those payrolls could be. And that's not just here in St. Louis. It's everywhere across the board. But, man, I miss the movement. That's what I miss. So a lot of people ask me, you know, what could the Cardinals do? I think right now they're patient. Uh, first on their agenda will be Yachty and, and Wayno and getting that settled. And then seeing, you know, once you have the finances with those in place if indeed they get that done would they get creative now one way they could is with trades because one thing the cardinals do have is a plethora of pitching we had brian walton on wednesday the cardinals have some tremendous talent that's going to be pushing you know to the upper levels of the minor league system and you know in a normal year you'd think well maybe some of those guys are trade candidates but there are so many free agents now in the market that if the Cardinals, you know, wanted to go at a bat, they could probably pick up a guy without having to give away some of this, uh, you know, pitching riches that they have, which, you know, if 2021 is anything like 2020, you know, they're going to need that depth. You do bad. I mean, you cannot have, it's the old adage, can't have enough pitching. And look at the postseason. Starters go in five innings. Then you get it into the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth. All right. You're going through five or six guys. So you can't have enough pitching. I, I did find it interesting the other day with John Mozeliak, when he was asked about Matthew Libertor, he said, yeah, Matthew Libertor at some point could be a part of the pitching of the Cardinals in 2021. That's exciting. Zach Thompson, another one. They have a couple low-level minor leaguers. Again, another wave of pitching coming. So the Cardinals have what a lot of people want. We'll see if they want to get creative with it. The other part of this, too, is I think about the offseason. Um, it's not only about 2021, but hovering unfortunately over baseball will be the cba of 2022 so what does it look like the financial landscape of that and that's something to think about as well i don't even want to think about that good point we should just probably move on tanner you're always thinking that's why you're the best um okay what's going on with the blues and i'm gonna wrap up this segment with this the blues were supposed to be in a division with anaheim arizona colorado dallas la san jose vegas everybody went nuts late start times don't like it It's going to be awful. So this was yesterday. And by the way, there's some movement on this, apparently. But that was yesterday. And I love this reaction from Joey Vitale. Listen, we got hosed. I think we got hosed. 
Uh, I understand why it happened and you're saying how it happened. It had to be between is 50% shot. It was us in Minnesota. Right. The way this country is laid out, it came down to Minnesota. It came down to St. Louis. One team have to go west. One team went to travel two time zones. One team would have uh, their home home fans be viewing a game at 9 o'clock at night. And it just, unfortunately, is going to be for us. It sucks for the fans. I, I get that. Uh, you know, Alex, I, I'm going to go a little step further. And I'm going to say this. I think it's unfortunate for the Blues team, for the teams you just mentioned. I think competitive-wise, from the competition, if you're looking at the West versus East-South division, I feel, in my heart of hearts, and this is just based off of last year and kind of how these teams are built, we'll see what happens this year, but I feel as of right now, what we know about the teams in both divisions, I think the Blues are going to have a harder time in this West. Now, I may be proven wrong. I know a lot of Blues players are excited about the West. I think they like the, the, the prospects of L.A. Uh, going to Anaheim. They like how they play San Jose. I mean, those three California teams itself, they've done very well against. The ones that scare me, of course, the Colorado and the Vegas juggernauts. Dallas is always a competitive team. And those doggone Yotes, man, they never yeah. just go away, right? So that's what makes me a little bit nervous about this West. I think they'd have more success on every given night if they did go to the Florida and they went to the Carolinas and the Nashvilles, who we've handled pretty well over the last couple of years. So um, at the end of the day, I think we got hosed a little bit. But you know what? It's the team's philosophy. Whether you get hosed, you just hand pass, doesn't matter. We just keep on moving, get the pieces together. They got the character, they got the group, they got the coaching, everything moving forward. They got the right broadcasters, right? They got everything. <laughs> Amen, they got everything brother. You need to, to move forward <laughs> in the right direction. So it is what it is, and I'm just excited that we start are starting to have some divisional talk. And uh, hopefully 56 wonderful games look forward to soon. Absolutely. Love listening to Joey. By the way, it was about uh, six months ago we were just wanting sports, and now we're arguing about start times, which I kind of giggle at. Um, selfishly speaking, if I was a player and they said, okay, you can be in the central, it'll be in the middle of winter, and you might be on these like 10 to 14 day road trips, you get to go to Columbus. Mm. How about Detroit in February? Eh. Minnesota? Ooh. Okay. Now, 10 or 14 days out in California. Sign me up. Arizona. Sign me up. Okay. Yeah, let's go play a little golf, a little, little bonding with my teammates under the guise of playing NHL hockey out west. Sure. Can't really bond up north when it's snowing and there's a foot outside there. <laughs> no. it, it, it's, it would be like being in the bubble, right? You'd, you'd go play hockey and go back to your room. Yes, exactly. You're not going to go play golf. Exactly. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I wonder if the NHL, this is thinking out loud, I wonder if the NHL heard so much, like, uh, People going berserk over. I mean, I had so many people call me going, "Can you believe what's going on with the Blues? Are gonna play?" I said, "Wait a minute, you. This is my my standing deal on this, Tanner. Six months ago, dying for sports. And now we're arguing over start times. Okay, I get it. We we you know we can be a little picky with that, but I'm thinking to myself, I don't care. I just want to see the NHL back. So that's my broad picture view of the whole thing. Now, if I want to get technical with it. Yeah, I'd rather watch the Blues at 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah, I'm with you. Oh, and then, like you said, kind of a little bit there. I wish they are in the Central, too. I did those. I was running board for those Blues games when they were up in the bubble. The me little, and Ferrario were here, and Curbs and Joey were up late. <laughs> late nights. Um, so I wonder if the NHL got some of the blowback, if they felt some of that, you know, whether from the Blues or the fans or they're reading social media or whatever. I mean, just trying to get a gauge of, you know, you roll it out, you kind of leak it and see what happens. Um, if they're not in the Central, I, I really would miss, though, the Hawks. Agreed. And I really would miss, to an extent, it'd be fun to see more games against Detroit, which is, hasn't been the case the last few years. So maybe you get more with them. 
that would be kind of fun. So some of the scuttlebutt this morning is that maybe Minnesota would be the team out west, maybe even Dallas. So we'll have to see. Um, all right, coming up, we're going to visit with Scott Highmark. We'll also have a visit with Brian Barnhart. We'll talk a little college basketball. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin back with you on 101 ESPN. Later in the hour, we visit with Brian Barnhart, and he is the voice of the Fighting Illini as we are on the eve of the bragging rights game in Columbia. We're also saying thanks to St. Louis area education employees with Hubbard's Deserving Deliveries. Today's Deserving Deliveries put together by 101 ESPN, Hubbard Radio St. Louis, and Scott Credit Union. 100 lunches are being delivered today to the teachers and staff at Barnwell Middle School in St. Charles by Super Smokers Barbecue. Where is our next deserving delivery headed to next Friday? You can nominate your favorite school staff right now at 101ESPN.com. Always great to have the chance to visit with Scott Highmark, who is the lead analyst on Billiken's basketball on the television side and the Billiken Hall of Famer, and yet he might not even be the best basketball player in his family. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Hey, Scotty, always great to visit with you. How are things going? Uh, Dan, everything's great. Good to be with you, my friend. Well, before we get into the college basketball scene, and I want to talk about Slew and the bragging rights, one, Brooke Highmark has committed to Belmont. Congratulations to you and Brooke and your family. Must be exciting times in the Highmark family. Uh, it is. Thanks for saying that. She's she's super excited. Uh, even though she's only a junior in high school, she found like she found the right fit, and um, we're excited for her. And 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 you know, hopefully, she can just enjoy the rest of her high school career and have fun and and have fun with her teammates and win a little bit. So we're, we're really blessed and grateful and she's worked really hard for that. So thank you. You got it. I, I think that you could offer really unique perspective on this though. What was it like getting recruited in 2020 and COVID lives and, you know, coaches not showing up at games or practices or summer events and the contact is limited, at least in person, what was it like? How was she being recruited? And and this goes to any of the, the, the boys out there too. It's, it's just, it's limited. So what, what was it like? It's so different. It, you know, it started this summer when normally you'd go play in these uh, AAU circuits and there'd be hundreds of coaches literally sitting around the gym floors at these national club tournaments and they couldn't be there obviously the summer. So they were literally live streaming and coaches were watching on, on a feed um, all of these games. And I thought, the, I thought there's no way these coaches are going to be watching. They're not going to sit in July and watch their video screen, but they were. And, uh, a lot, a lot of recruiting got done in July. And then once they kind of identified who their candidates were, then really they spent the next, you know, they're spending the next six months. I mean, zoom calls, virtual, virtual tours, player virtual rooms where they would set up the player and uh, the players with the recruit, uh, you know, meetings with professors, all virtual. It, it's so different than my experience. You know, I didn't get to go, you know, I got to go on unofficial visits. I got to go on official visits and obviously none of that's happening. So, but I tell you, these coaches are incredibly creative. The amount of um, social media and graphics and stuff that they can do 
um, virtually really makes uh, these kids feel special and wanted and all that sort of thing. So definitely different. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting beyond this for yeah. all of the high school kids. <laughs> yes. And uh, but but it's been way more effective. It's probably like a lot of businesses. It's been way more effective than we thought it would have been. I gotta wonder if this changes recruiting going forward, or if this is just another tentacle of how coaches will recruit kids. I, I, I do wonder if it's just like another lane they can go down to try to recruit. I absolutely think so. And, 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 you know, the financial part of me thinks, boy, there's a lot of savings that could happen. If you can watch any game live streamed anywhere in the country, A, it expands your reach and where you can recruit and B, it saves you money and, and efficiency because normally you'd have three or four of your coaches literally spread across the country for most of the summer and part parts of your season and now if you can sit in your living room, have your coaching staff local, but say, hey, you're assigned to watch this game and you watch this game, there's just a lot of efficiencies in, in, in cost savings and probably changes your scope and who you can actually see and, and from, a, from a staff standpoint. So be a good question for Travis Ford sometime. Absolutely. I know when you made your commitment, you went right to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and announced it to the world. <laughs> Uh, not, not so much. Um, so yeah, the, that's the internet changed. didn't even exist. The internet <laughs> right. didn't even exist at that time. Did cell phones exist at that time? Uh, not really, barely. I mean, yeah. you and I are about the same age. They were kind of coming online as we were finishing college. So, so not much. So what was that like too? Like the announcement of when she makes the, uh, the, the call and this goes for any kid that's getting recruited. I, I find this fascinating cause I go on Twitter and I see these kids with these blowout, you know, announcements. Hey, I'm down to five. Or I'm down yeah. to my three, and I'm like, what? What is going on here? But it's just incredible. I like, yeah. I like the ones that say, I've, I've, these are my top 11. Right, right, <laughs> right. These, these poor coaches are like, oh, my goodness, I've got to deal with this. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's totally different. You know, I mean, you know, Rich Grauer recruited me in St. Louis U, and he wrote me four to five handwritten notes every single day for like a year. I would go to my mailbox every day, and there would be a handwritten note from Rich Grauer. Like, that was the old school, arduous process of recruiting, and now it's – it's social media. It's it's like you said. It's Facebook. It's it's just a totally different game. It's incredible. Scott Highmark is my guest, and and before we let you go, and there's a, a few topics as we try to week uh, do this every week to visit on the college basketball scene. We can jump into one is SLU. They'll play again this weekend. That game uh, game will not be on Fox Sports Midwest. Our next telecast will be a Tuesday. We've done a couple of games now, Scotty. What what has stood out for SLU as you've had a chance to take them in? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I have talked about the, the depth and the talent that they have one through 10 is just amazing. I, I mean, they're getting contributions all the way 10 deep on their lineup. They're averaging 90 points a game, shooting 53 percent from the field. You know, again, only a small sample size here, but 21 assists per game. And you just have so many weapons. I mean, you've got a classic point in Uri Collins. You got some high level scores and Perkins and and Goodwin and Jimerson on the wing. Hassan French is now back after being in the concussion protocol. You know, Jacob's coming off the bench. Martin Linson, the transfer, is giving you a lot of good minutes. I mean, it's just, it, you know, you're trying to poke holes, and there will be times where they don't look so good. And even the other night, the last game, they didn't play as well as they could. They still won very comfortably. So I just am, I'm really uh, taken aback by the depth and the quality of the talent. Probably as deep and talented as team as I've seen in the last 25 years. I mean, they've had, like, Rick Majerus obviously had some great teams, but I don't think they went 1-10 to 10 
as quality as the team that we're seeing on the floor now. I don't know if you agree with this. I thought it was a tournament team before the season, and now that I'm getting a chance to watch the whole landscape of college basketball, with SLU being as deep as they are, and the fact that these kids have been in the program for a long time, I like their chances more than ever now against, I don't care who it is, give me North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, the guys that have these one-and-dones because of the fact that the the program is set up to have veteran kids, and that makes a huge difference in 2020. Makes huge difference. You know, the classic cases, John Calipari at Kentucky always has one-and-done kids. Well, Richmond, you know, Richmond and SLU were favored in the A-10, and Richmond went to Rupp Arena and just, just put it to them. Yeah. And, uh, but they've got veterans. they got guard play. they got fourth- and fifth-year guys, and, and they're playing, on, uh, playing road games with no fans. And, and so that's neutralizing it as well. So between the experience and the lack of environment and atmosphere, I think you're going to see a lot more of a level playing field. And you saw Duke get beat at home. I mean, Illinois just spanked them at Cameron. That doesn't happen. And, uh, but, but these veteran teams have the advantage because they've been together for years. And these, these programs that have the, the freshmen starting, they just have, don't have enough reps. And, and it's just going to be a really fascinating year for college basketball, assuming we can finish. I just think you're going to see more and more of these. I call them upsets, but I'm not sure you and I would actually call them upsets. Like Richmond is better than Kentucky right now. I don't know where you stand on this, but I, I heard Coach K after the game the other night, and he said, I'm not sure we should be doing this. You know, Rick Patino has said, I think we should have started the season in February, which is what I believe they should have done and had like May Madness and – Hopefully by that time, the May time for sure, there's vaccinations and in February you got COVID numbers coming down. Where where do you stand with that? With it being a former college athlete, student athlete, and and trying to play through what what we're all dealing with in COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's mixed feelings for sure. I you know for the kids, you want them to get the payoff of being able to play, but I certainly understand that point that Coach K was making, and I think it's reasonable to think. I mean, there's just every single day you turn on your newsfeed and, and teams are, are flying across the country and games are getting canceled. Uh, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga were supposed to play on Saturday 1-2 and it gets called off the morning of after the shoot around and they both have to fly home. It's very, very disruptive. And, and a lot of kids, most kids are not going to be able to go home and spend Christmas with their families because they're afraid of, you know, transmitting the disease A, to their families and bringing it back to campus. So it's not a it's not a crazy thought. Um, it doesn't feel as if there's enough momentum to stop the season, uh, but I think there's there's definitely some merit to it. I did I did find it funny on Twitter today that the Alabama coach Nate Oates wondered out loud if if Mike Shishetsky would have recommended that had he not been zero and two and just got beaten at home by Illinois. So I thought that was humorous. Oh but. boy, oh, I've said that from the get go. If it's two and zero with those wins, uh, maybe he's singing a different tune. I thought that was funny when the Alabama head coach takes a shot at Coach K. He yeah. tells you where, where we are in 2020. Right, exactly. Uh, final question for you, Mizzou, Illinois, bragging rights, no fans in the stands down at Mizzou Arena tomorrow. Uh, who do you like in this game? Man, that's going to be a great game. I'm really impressed. Obviously, you, we knew Illinois was a you know top 10, top 5 team. They're super experienced and have pros. And But I was really impressed with Conzo uh, Martin that they're – the win against Liberty uh, this week was was tough. Liberty's really, really good. It's beaten some people already, very experienced. I think they'll be ready to play. I, I think uh, all the pressure is going to be on Illinois. Again, you're not going to have the atmosphere that we're used to. 
But I think that's going to be a terrific game. And, and I, I think Conzo Martin obviously has the most experienced team that he's ever had, and he's got some depth as well. Uh, again, Illinois on paper is probably the better team. The, the lack of atmosphere will probably help Illinois playing on the road, but I, I would not expect the Tigers to back down. I think it'll be a really competitive game. Yeah, I can't wait to watch. For folks that are curious about Sky, uh, Scott Highmark and what he's doing in the financial world, uh, which you're doing a lot for a lot of people here in St. Louis, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, I've been in the wealth management business for 25 years. We have a company called Mosaic Family Wealth, and uh, probably the best way to check us out is mosaicwealth.com. Awesome. Thanks, Scotty. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Love the chance to visit with Brian Barnhart. He is the outstanding play-by-play voice of the Fighting Illini. Unfortunately, we won't see him at Enterprise Center in St. Louis for the bragging rights, but fortunately, we do have bragging rights. So, uh, Brian, always great to hear your voice. You're doing a sensational job as sports is picked right back up for football, basketball. It's all overlapping. You're a busy man. Good to hear your voice. How are things going? Well, Dan, great to hear from you. And, yeah, it's good to be uh, doing these games again. You know, for a while there, we weren't sure if we were going to get to do any. And uh, so uh, some have been, as you experienced, remote broadcasts. Some have been in empty arenas. But you know what? When you're doing what you really love doing, then uh, it really doesn't matter. That's right. Uh, one of the empty arenas that the Illini went to was Cameron, and they go to Duke, and they beat Mike Krzyzewski. I, I thought that's one of the top wins of the year for anybody. Give me your impression of that win and being at Cameron with, with no fans and, and just the Illini coming away with a win. Well, it was uh, obviously they pretty much controlled the game. I mean, and had they made a few more free throws, they probably would have won by some more. It was one of those games where you kept expecting Duke, a Coach Krzyzewski team, to make a push, and they'd get it down from 14 to 10 or 9, and then Illinois would get a 3 from Trent Frazier, or Iota Sumo would make a great player. And and, and it, you never really felt like the game was going to get away. And part of the result, I think, of the Duke game was – uh, what happened there was because of what happened in the Baylor game. We saw just an elite Baylor team. I mean, their guards are just unbelievable. They're experienced. Uh, the defense that Baylor played to try to disrupt Io Dosumu and the Illinois offense was terrific. And it's almost like, and you've probably seen this in sports, you've seen the elite and the bar is really high. It's like, wow, that's the really big dog. And oh, yeah. then anybody else is like, well, they're good, but they're not that. Right. And so you had a pretty you had a pretty good feeling going into Duke because they were really young and don't get me wrong I mean they're really talented four and five star guys from all over the place but it, they were just so young and starting so many freshmen and Illinois was just older and you throw in the newcomers Curbelo and Miller uh, and I felt pretty good about the game going in based on what I had seen the game before uh, when they battled Baylor for a, a half and into the second half. Um, and wasn't totally surprised we won. I didn't expect to win by double digits, though. I, I got to tell you, Brian, the thing I, I'm taking away, and I'm doing the slew games, and that's a, a veteran club, and they have three really good seniors and could compete with the Illini's and the Mizzou's and, and all those teams. That would be no problem. I mean, they're a top 25 team. What I'm seeing in college basketball is that, look, if you have three- or four-year guys and you're going up against the Kentuckys, the Dukes, um, whoever you want to throw in that has the one and dones, 
you're at a distinct advantage in 2020, 2021. You, you have been in the program. You understand what it's all about. Where these one-and-done guys, they're just kind of getting their feet wet. They haven't been around the program, haven't been around the coach, and you're seeing a vast difference with the big boys as opposed to those that have built recruiting classes. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and you see it, or especially early in the year, and especially this year, as you mentioned, with, with COVID. I mean, the te- these teams didn't get many exhibition games or other non-conference games to kind of work those even talented freshmen with more experience as you go along. Now, you play them later in the year, you get closer to March, and more games, they start to figure it out. But uh, I think uh, you're absolutely right. We saw an Ohio team we played that we had to fight off at, at State Farm Center because they had a really outstanding, probably a pro point guard, and two or three older guys that could hit threes. And they were dangerous. I mean, they were really tough to knock out. And those are the kind of teams you see in the NCAA tournament. And those are teams that sometimes uh, wind up going to the uh, Sweet 16 along the way because of those very characteristics. No doubt. How about home court advantage uh, with no fans? Did you feel like even though you were at Duke, that Duke – had a home court advantage or was that a race because there were no Cameron crazies? Yeah, I think not having Cameron crazies there makes, you know, makes a difference. Uh, I think Illinois was so good that night. I don't know if it would have mattered, but um, and I, had, I was talking to Kiwan Garris and Jerry Hester, who were in the game back in 95 when Illinois ended Duke's 95 home court non-conference winning streak back then in 1995, 25 years ago. And, they said when the Cameron crazies would jump around, the rims would actually shake when you were at the free throw line. And so it was hard to make a free throw. And, of course, there was none of that. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a great old arena. But any of these old arenas, uh, any great arena, it's just um, really, really strange. And it was strange. And I know you saw this with the baseball stadiums. But, you know, you were over at, at uh, Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indy, and it's 21,000 seats for the Pacers. Right. There was just hardly anybody in there. And it was, you take your headset off, and during the break, and you're like, there's nobody here. Yeah. It's just really, really strange. It, it almost feels like a glorified exhibition. I, I don't know if you feel that way, but I do, because you hear the squeaking, you hear a little bit of the echo in an empty j- uh, gymnasium. It's almost kind of like an exhibition game. Mm-hmm. Or a scrimmage. Or a uh, scrimmage. You know, a, a, a really big, really good scrimmage, and uh, you do get that feeling. And so it's just going to be interesting um, as we go along, if we get through this uh, this pandemic uh, the way it's going right now, just to see where we are by March and see if, you know, baseball by the end had people in the stands in the World Series, which was great to see. It just adds so much. You, you don't take fans for granted, but you take the noise they make for granted sometimes, and uh, it'll be great to have them back. Brian Barnhart, the outstanding voice of the Illini, is my guest. Uh, Bragging rights, how excited are people uh, around the program to, to face Mizzou under, obviously, weird circumstances, going to Mizzou Arena, no fans, but uh, the excitement of seeing these two teams, who by all accounts, certainly Illinois, and, and we're finding out more about Mizzou. They've had some good wins, but by all accounts, it looks like it could be a couple of heavyweights this weekend. Oh, I think so. I think you're right. That experience you talked about, you know, the Tillmans and the Smiths, all the Smiths, Drew and Mark and, and all of them, uh, you know, experienced players. They played a lot of games, and so you throw in that with Illinois' experience, the whole recruiting battles that went on there from a few years ago with, with Jeremiah Tillman and uh, as satisfying as that Duke win was, and believe me, Illinois fans love to see Duke go down. And if Illinois takes them down, that's even better. 
they want to beat Missouri even worse. I mean, uh, <laughs> they, they do not like Missouri, and I'm sure that, you know, the feeling is the other way too, and that's what's happened over these, you know, 40 years of these games is it's just ratcheted up every year. And uh, for Illini fans, you know, they, they, as soon as that Duke game was over, they were like, okay, let's get those Tigers because they were ready to go and, and take on Missouri again. How good is Brad Underwood, in, as you've had a chance now to be around him a little bit? This year you're socially distant, but you know about him. How good is this guy? Oh, he's great to be around. Uh, for one thing, he got his degree. For those of us in this business, he got his degree from Kansas State in radio and TV. Oh, that's perfect. So that's perfect. a start. So he knows kind of what, in fact, uh, his first job out of college was at a radio station. And, and I asked him about it once, and he said, Brian, I found out there wasn't a lot of money to be made early on. So he decided to, to look at coaching down the road, and he loved to be around the game and, of course, played for Jack Hartman at K-State. But, um, you know, so, but that being said, he understands what we need and what, we, you know, what goes on. And so for him, it's, it's no big deal, you know. Hey, coach, I need a few minutes here. I need something extra from you for the radio. Oh, absolutely. You know, he just he's willing to do it. He understands uh, what we do. And and you start there and then he just really is great with his players. Uh, he's he's got that uh, type A personality that uh, people are just kind of drawn to him, I think. And he expresses himself well. And he just um, he just he knows which buttons to push. But he also. Uh, just has built a great culture, I think, in the short time he's been here, and certainly an identity, which is something I think that was needed when he came in. And uh, when you play Brad Underwood teams, I know Matt Painter, uh, somebody was telling me who works for Matt Painter, said when he saw that Brad had been hired at Illinois, he said, uh-oh, mm-hmm. they're going to be back. Yeah. And he knew it. And so, and he and Matt are pretty good friends. So I thought that was... Uh, you know, a great statement from a fellow coach. I'll wrap it up with this. How have you been getting along with football? It's been a little up and down with the fighting Illini, but also kind of a, a follow-up to that would be just the big 10 in general and what's going on with Ohio state and trying to get them into the college football playoff. So locally with the Illini and then generally speaking with the, uh, the big 10, your thoughts. Interesting Dan, because we lost those non-conference games, which I think for this particular Illinois team would have been really a nice momentum builder through those early games. They were probably going to win those. I don't think there's much doubt. And then the first two or three games of the Big Ten schedule were rebuilding Rutgers team, and Rutgers is getting better. But, you know, there was a chance to start 5 or 6-0 and oh for a lot of people thought. And those games all wiped out, of course, and the schedule got changed. And they came out flat against Wisconsin, really struggled offensively. Then Brandon COVID goes out with COVID. Uh, Brandon uh, Peters goes out with COVID. And then we're down to our four-string quarterback, and you're trying to – I mean, there was just so much chaos at the beginning, and it kind of set them back. And then they hit their stride, a couple of wins, Rutgers, and then at Nebraska, and played well for a half against Iowa and just couldn't keep the momentum going. So it's kind of been a mixed, as you said, up and down, mixed bag so far there. And they're going to play the Big Ten West champs here this weekend. The Big Ten as a whole, Indiana's been a great story. Uh, Tom Allen and that crew – uh, Northwestern's been a great story sure. from where they came from last year. I mean, they, they they could barely score 10 points last year, and and they've got a better uh, better offensive uh, system this year with offensive and defensive coordinators that changed for Fitzgerald. So they're uh, they're always a challenge to beat, and um, you know, looking forward to see what they do against Ohio State. But it is interesting the uh, <laughs> you know they they had a justification for it, but the Big Ten initially set the rules you had to play so many games, and then. It came down. Eventually, they changed it, and that's their prerogative. 
but uh, but certainly it uh, it'll be a good game. Ohio State Northwestern. I talked to somebody from Northwestern, Dan, who said they'd probably rather play Ohio State anyway because they would get more out of a win against Ohio State than they might against Indiana. So yeah. they were looking forward to to going at it with the Buckeyes. Hey, Brian, great to hear your voice. Uh, looking forward to the bragging rights game and uh, keep it up. It's it's not easy for broadcasters virtually. I can I can tell you from experience, but you're doing a hell of a job. It sounds great. Well, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate it. Good to hear from you. And anytime you want to visit. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Join in the holiday spirit. Contribute to Carriker and Smallman's 12 Days of T-Shirts. Fundraiser for the Little Bit Foundation. Donate at least $25 online between now and December 14th. You'll receive a complimentary 101 ESPN T-Shirt. As a gift for your donation, your $25 donation helps a little bit foundation. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Massage Lux. Special thank you to Doc's Harley-Davidson for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser right now at ESPN.com, 101ESPN.com. Again, if you want to listen to those interviews, the podcast on 101ESPN.com presented by a good folks at I Promise. Alex Ferrario is in. All right. I'm sick of talking about where the Cardinals are. Uh, no, let me rephrase it. I'm sick of talking about where the Blues are going to be playing. I got Cardinals on well, my mind. Sick Cardinals of the first are... one too. No, I, I love talking Cardinals. I love talking Blues. I'm never sick of the Cardinals. I'm never sick. So uh, they were on my mind. Um, so I misspoke. Like Georgia, right? That's right. I misspoke, Alex. And okay. so I'm trying to figure out where the Blues are playing this year. And um, you have breaking news. You're going to tell me who it is. So go right ahead. <laughs> well, you know what, Dan? Uh, as of right now at 10.58 a.m. on December 11th, you 2020, no there's no breaking news. There's it's the exact same division that you thought it was yesterday, <laughs> but it could change in about 30 minutes. It could change in an hour. It could change five more times before the NHL decides. But at least from what everything was reporting last night, um, originally, it was the Blues playing in the Pacific Division with Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, Arizona, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim. And Michael Russo, who reports on the Minnesota Wild for the Athletic, reported last night that it looks like Minnesota's flipping to the Pacific Division. They didn't say who's flipping back to the Central, but it sounds like at least some of the reports are the Dallas Stars. So St. Louis might be staying in the Pacific. They might be moving back to the Central. Honestly, who freaking knows until this Board of Governors makes the final approval on the divisions? Yeah. Uh, let's uh, get into your show because I'm bleeding into your show. I don't want to do that. I don't want to take away the time that. from you and, and the great uh, Brandon Kylie. So I need to know what's coming up so I can stay tuned. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, because Cardinals are on your mind. We're going to yes. talk Cardinals today. Good. Casey Stern of uh, MLB Network Radio is going to join us at 12. Uh, we're also going to talk a little Cleveland Indians because I know everyone still loves that name, Francisco Lindor. So Zach Meisel of The Athletic in Cleveland is going to join us. And we got Darren Dreger, who's a TSN NHL insider. Uh, he is going to give us whatever the hell's going on right now in the NHL with this realigned divisions. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Danny. Have a great weekend, Tanner. Great job. We'll talk to you Monday on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise.